Christmas, Carly. Let's face it. We all know that Christmas is a big commercial racket. It's run by a big Eastern syndicate, you know. Well, this is one play that's not going to be commercial. Look, Charlie Brown, what do you want? The proper mood. We need a Christmas tree. Hey, perhaps a tree. A great, big, shiny aluminum Christmas tree. That's it, Charlie Brown. You get the tree. I'll handle this crowd. Okay. I'll take Linus with me. The rest of you, practice your lines. Get the biggest aluminum tree you can find, Charlie Brown. Maybe paint it pink. Yeah, do something right for a change, Charlie Brown. <laughs> She's so mean. Welcome again to Christmas Eve. Uh, I'm particularly delighted to be able to welcome our daughter, the Reverend Rachel Megan Toon, to share in the service tonight with us. This will be a first for us as we share communion together, so it's a very sweet uh, moment for me, and I suspect for many of you as she's part of our church family. Uh, in case you hadn't figured out, we are in a season when we're call- which we're calling Real Christmas, where we're using classic Christmas movies that help illustrate some point of, of the Christmas story. And uh, in case you hadn't noticed, it's the Charlie Brown Christmas today. Uh, early in the service, our family services, those kids made big use of, of Charlie Brown. But I think Charlie has something to say to us uh, this evening as well. I, I grew up in the height of the Charlie Brown craze. In fact, it, it, it was at the time when there was a musical called You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Anyone see the movie? See the musical? Well, I was in that play. Guess what part I played? No, gosh, no. I was Snoopy. Snoopy was cool. I was Snoopy. And my favorite scene in the show was when I get to sit on the top of my, uh, of, of my doghouse and I get to fight the Red Baron as, in my sop with camel. Curse you, Red Baron. Curse you. I love being Snoopy because Snoopy was cool. I would have never played Charlie Brown because he was a loser. <laughs> He was so angsty and so riddled with self-doubt. And, uh, and of course, the storyline of, of the Charlie Brown Christmas tree is the, uh, Christmas is the same thing. He's centered around all of these struggles. He's depressed about not being able to find the real meaning of Christmas. And the fact that everyone seems to think Christmas is all about buying and getting presents. And his friends, who aren't always very helpful with Charlie Brown, try to cheer him up a little bit. Lucy encourages him to go on this quest, on this search to find a Christmas tree for the play that Charlie Brown is directing. Unfortunately, Lucy has some very clear ideas about what kind of Christmas tree she wants. What was it? Aluminum. And what color? Pink. Yeah, let's take a look at that part. kinds of big, beautiful aluminum trees to choose from, red ones and blue ones and yellow ones and, yes, pink ones. And yet Charlie Brown ends up picking the scrawniest tree on the lot. Why? 
because it's the only real one on there, right? It's the only real tree on there. As, as unimpressive as it looks, Charlie Brown is on a search for the real thing. You know, there was a group in the first Christmas story who were also on a search for the real thing. And like Charlie Brown, they were, they were kind of looked down upon by their, the, the townsfolk around them. They were the kind of the outcasts of the society. They were dirty and they were poor and they were, they were thought to be thieves because, in fact, often they were thieves. And so they were suspected with good reason. They were viewed with the same sort of prejudice that the gypsies in modern Europe are viewed today. Who were these people? They were the shepherds. Did you know that? We think of them with wonderful warm terms, but the shepherds were reviled. They were about as low on the totem pole as you could get. The only ones lower were the lepers because they were so mistrusted. They had a horrible reputation in first century Palestine, and they would be the last people that you would expect to receive an angelic visitation with an important announcement of religious news. But as you heard from our kids in that wonderful opening video, that's exactly what happened. They were gathered that night, the shepherds, on their fields. They were probably half asleep. They were bored out of their minds watching these stupid sheep. And, uh, and suddenly the sky is just filled with light. And an angel appears to them and tells them this incredible news that a baby has been born in Bethlehem, the most important baby ever to be born. And if you had been jolted out of a deep sleep, you know how terrifying this must have been. But also pretty exciting because they lived a dreary life, a pretty dull life. It was hard. They lived outside. There wasn't a lot of running water, so there weren't a lot of showers. They were stinky. I mean, in general, the shepherds were kind of the Charlie Browns of their time. They were the losers. They were the outcasts. Their life was hard and dull, and they lived with the constant scorn of neighbors who considered them to be big nothings, big nobodies. But that night, they weren't nothing. That night, they were the most important people in Bethlehem because God chose to send an angel to them, if you can imagine, The angel was sent to the shepherds with this incredible announcement about the birth of a baby who would be the savior of the world. And it almost turns out to be like a treasure hunt. The angel tells them where the baby's going to be born in the city of Bethlehem. And tells them that you could look for a brand new baby that's wrapped up in swaddling cloths and incredibly who's lying not in a crib but in a manger. We think of it in warm, cuddly terms. A manger was a feed trough for a cow. You have seen how slobbery cows are, right? I mean, it was gross that you would imagine a baby being laid in such a place. And yet, that was the sign for them. The baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a cow trough. Let's pick up the rest of the story. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard what they said wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And the angels returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard, had heard and seen, just as it was told them. This is the word of the Lord. If I were to tell you that uh, there was a treasure hidden in this room, I wonder, do we have any kids here who would be willing to do, go on a little treasure hunt? Anybody who would be willing to do that? Anyone want to raise their hand and say, yes, come on, I see you. Come on up there. I like that eagerness. Good for you. I don't even have another service to worry about, so take your time. <laughs> I had to make the other kids chop-chop. Oh, we're going to have two who are going. All right. I love that attitude. We got a challenge here. All right. Come here. Here's the two of you. Tell, tell me your names. Austin, Austin and? Maya. Oh, Austin and Maya. Okay, we got three. Maya. Naya. Naya. I'm sorry. And what's your name? Okay, I don't know how we're going to divide this one gift, but we will figure a way to do it. Anyway, our, here's the gift. Here's what I want you guys. The treasure is, the treasure is hidden. It's over by the piano. It's under the smallest tree, and it's not in a box. See if you can find that. Piano, smallest tree, not in a box. I think you got it. Come on here. Sorry. Come on. Come on, all of you. All right. Open it up. Take a look. See what's in there. Pull it out. Do you recognize this? Yeah. What is it? Menchies. Yes, it's from Menchies. You're going to get a, have some yogurt. I don't know what I'm going to do with the other two of you. <laughs> here. You take it and divide it among yourselves. <laughs> all right. Go on back. That was awesome. Thank you. Let's thank the kids. So here's what's funny. Up till now, it's been a kid-friendly service. These are the most kids I've had the whole evening rushing up there to discover what this treasure is that we have for them. Thank you. Great job. Great job. Uh, They were very excited, obviously. They were very uh, excited. And who wouldn't want to be? I mean, Minchies, for crying out loud. How many have eaten a Minchies? It's worth, yeah, checking out. It's worth checking out. But can you imagine if I'd ask, if there's anyone who wants to go on a treasure hunt, and, and all of the kids just sat there with their arms closed and said, eh, not interested. They said, I, I can't be bothered, I'll just sit, sit right here. We'd say, have you ever gone to Menchie's? You don't want to miss out on this. And at least you ought to go and check out what the treasure is before you decide whether you have any interest in it. Can you imagine if the shepherds had done that? When the angel appeared in heaven and the The skies were filled with light and with song. And he told them this incredible news about the birth of a Savior. And he gave them the instructions on how to find this this child. And and then they went back up into heaven. The shepherds were standing there. What if they had just gone, eh? It's dark and Bethlehem's a long ways away. And baby, it's cold outside. (laughs) So I don't think I want to be bothered. We'll just tuck ourselves right back down and go to sleep. And we would say, crazy crazy. Why wouldn't you want to go and discover this thing that God had revealed to you? Why would you be, pass up the opportunity to be the, the witness to the greatest gift that has ever been given to the world? You are going to have a story that you will pass on from generation to generation to generation that will outlive you. This single encounter will change your life forever. You don't want to miss it. And of course they didn't. The scripture says that they went with haste. They, they hurried to Bethlehem. They couldn't get there fast enough. And after they had seen the thing that they, were, that they saw, they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen. 
In other words, their life was changed all because they were willing to go and to search out the truth of what they had been told. Here's the deal. Every year, every Christmas Eve, in every service, thousands of people gathered here to celebrate the message of the angels once more. Every Christmas Eve, we read the scripture, and we sing the songs, and we light the candles again, and we declare again that God has sent to the world this most incredible of gifts, the gift of his own son. He came in a very modest package, kind of like the Charlie Brown tree, right? I mean, a little scrawny baby. And yet it was the only real thing about Christmas. It is the real thing about Christmas. This baby born in unassuming conditions to unremarkable parents and unimpressive witnesses who came along to check it out. This baby is is the savior of the world. And he would be your savior too if you would let him. (laughs) That is the message. It's kind of broken record, but that is the message of Christmas and we proclaim it year after year. Jesus is born and he wants to be born in you, in your life. The Lord, the savior of the universe, loves you personally, wants a relationship with you. He wants to give you a sense of purpose and joy and peace like you have never known before. That's the part that God plays. That's the part God has already played. He took the initiative. He reached out and did these things. But God asked us to play a part too. He asked us to do what he asked the shepherds to do, and that is to seek him, to go search for him. That is the story of the real story behind Christmas, of us seeking the, the Savior who sought us out. And, of course, you're here, so that's a good start. Well done. You could have been somewhere else having a party, but here you are. So that's good. But many of you are here, uh, and that's not, there's not much more to it. What if, there was, what if this was just the start? Later on in the service, what if you pray a prayer like you've never prayed it before? What if you receive communion, and not just as a ritual, because it really means something for the first time? What if you come back on baptism weekend and are baptized You've thought about it for years and never done it. Maybe this is the moment. What if you come to Alpha and you lay all of those unanswered questions before the Lord with courage and say, I want to know the truth. What if you did that? Or what if you come back just to hear a sermon on Mark, the Gospel of Mark? I'm going to be preaching a series called Instagram Jesus. The idea is that in the Gospel of Mark, it's just one action-packed story after another. We get images, pictures of Jesus moving in action like you've never seen Jesus before. Come back. There are all kinds of ways that we can take a next step. All kinds of ways that we can seek, that we can search. The question is, what will you do about it? You might sneeze. <laughs> I wonder if Christmas Eve could be the beginning of your search. Here's the, here's the deal. There will be people who come tonight and they will hear this message, the, the message that changed the world. And then they will go back home and they will go to sleep spiritually. And they'll stay that way for another year until Christmas comes around again. What a waste. What a waste of the prompting of the Spirit. This is your chance to be changed. This is your chance to be transformed. 
This is your chance to begin a journey that has been too long coming, perhaps. A year ago, a young man came into one of these services, a Christmas Eve services. He, he was new to Chapel Hill and a little nervous about it because he didn't think he fit here. But he showed up and he heard us invite people to come to Alpha. And so he screwed up his courage then and he showed up on a Wednesday night. Again, he had all kinds of questions and doubts and yet he said, I'm going to do this. And he came. It wasn't as bad as he thought it would be. And so he came back and he came back and he kept coming back to Alpha, to church. That was a year ago. I met with this young man last week for coffee just to find out what's going on in his life. He said, you know, this one year in Chapel Hill has transformed my life. Transformed his, those were his words. How did it begin? It began with him seeking the God who sought him. It began with him searching out after Jesus who came searching for him. And that's what God invites you to do tonight. There's a sense in which when we come to this meal, that's, that's an opportunity to seek after God, to want more of him, to, to, to partake of the Lord in ways that we wouldn't ordinarily do it. And so I invite you to come to that. Maybe tonight would be the first time that you take this meal. Maybe that would be your way of saying, I want Jesus. I want to seek him. And if, if that's the case for you, if, because that's what we believe this is about, if you're willing to say, I want to follow after Jesus, then I invite you to come and to, eat, and to participate, to partake of this meal together. It has to be more than just a religious moment. It has to be more than just a, a ritual. It's a longing for the real thing. A real encounter with Jesus who loved you so much that he came searching for you. And he said, well, will you do a little searching yourself? Search your hearts. Search your hearts and see what God would be saying to you today. I invite you to come to this table. If this describes you, your longing to seek after God, this is the table of Jesus set for you. Listen to the words that Jesus is quoted as saying by the Apostle Paul. He says, I received from the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had blessed it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after dinner, he took the cup, and he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And now we offering, on behalf of Jesus, we offer to you this bread and this juice that they might be for you the body and the blood of Christ and that in the partaking of them you find nourishment for your souls. Let us pray. Holy God, I pray that you would meet us, that you would commune with us in this moment. Jesus, I pray that you would be present in this meal. And I particularly pray that for those who have, have not really responded to you, but who feel a prompting to answer the question, what have you done to seek after me? What have you done to search after me? If If this is the night, Lord, I pray that you would stir them to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't even know what that means, but I want to come to you. I want to follow you. I want to seek after you.
And if they are there, Lord, I pray they would receive this meal in a new way, in a fresh way as they've never done before. Thank you for searching out us. Thank you for seeking us. Thank you for leaving heaven and coming to earth to find us, to save us, because we were precious to you. Place in our hearts the desire to seek you back. Not because we initiate it, but we're responding to the great call of God upon our lives. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us and grant us your peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said,